Hello, welcome to Once More with Commentary, a Buffy and Angel podcast. I'm Allie. I'm Jenny. And I feel like I'm losing my voice in the moment. Yeah, what happened? Yeah, I don't know. I just need to take a drink of water. But I don't (laughs) have any water, so this will be fun. How are you, Jenny? Um, I've been better. (laughs) Jenny had fun at just hung over, yeah. (laughs) I had like half a glass of wine last night, so I'm pretty good. Okay. But we are talking about... Um, wait, I wrote this down. <laughs> <laughs> weight of the world. The weight of the world and through the looking glass. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so we're talking about the weight of the world with Buffy, who has the weight of the world on her shoulders so much that she has gone catatonic. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the end of the last episode, we saw Glory, well, Ben turn into Glory and take Dawn. And... Um, now everyone's dealing with the aftermath. So, you know, Spike hotwires Ben's car and they all decide that they're going to get out of there. But Buffy is still unresponsive and basically they are treating her like she's like broken, mm-hmm. um, which I guess she is. And they disperse like Willow kind of takes over and sends everybody on their specific tasks. Xander takes Giles to the hospital. Spike is sent to go investigate Glory's penthouse and find out if she's still there or any clues and Anya's gonna watch Tara while Willow does a spell to go into Buffy's mind and try to find out what's going on. She does get there eventually so we see Buffy basically acting out a loop of she's a little girl and um, her parents bring Dawn home from the hospital and Buffy asks to always be the person to take care of her and then Buffy's putting a book back up on a shelf and then she's out in the desert with the first slayer and Willow hears her say that death is her gift and then this cycle repeats and then eventually Willow sees Buffy like smothering Dawn with a pillow mm-hmm. and ultimately gets to talk to this dream Buffy and find out that she's convinced that she's killed her sister because this moment with the book was the moment where Buffy apparently realized that Glory was probably going to win and Buffy just gave up for a second and then she's feeling guilt about this because she thinks that even allowing herself to surrender to this thought is the reason that she didn't fight back hard enough to prevent Glory from taking Dawn and you know Willow has to kind of say like well you haven't lost yet like the fight's Mm -hmm. still going we can still go and try to save your sister um, so Buffy kind of snaps out of it and, you know, breaks down again. You know, she's crying, but she's awake and mm-hmm. presumably ready to go fight. And then meanwhile, um, Spike discovers that nobody's at Glory's and he does mention that he knows this guy who might give them some insight. And then he takes Xander back to this demon that we first met with the spell where Don wanted to resurrect Joyce. Joel Gray. I don't remember his <laughs> name. I just remember the actor's name. <laughs> and they call him. Doc turns or out something. that he um, isn't really that helpful because he turns out to be worshiping the beast in his own way. And so Xander eventually kills him, and they take whatever was in his little chest. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't really know what it is yet, but they all reconvene back at the magic shop. Well, Xander kills him. Oh, yeah, Xander kills him, thank you. But no, then we see his eyes open. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he's not, not dead. quite dead. And um, they all reconvene at the magic shop, and I guess they want to get a plan together. But then, meanwhile, we see Glory interacting with Dawn, and as they get closer to this deadline, and the closer the key is to Glory, we see the lines kind of start to blur between Glory and Ben. Mm-hmm. And both are kind of 
wallowing in their own self-pity and having trouble like holding on to their own realities. Um, we see Ben basically decide it's going to be him over Dawn and everyone's getting ready for this ceremony. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I guess to start, the Ben is glory gag is one of my favorites. Yeah. <laughs> it was still funny this time. I didn't want to touch on that too much because <laughs> it is one of the funnier through lines of the episode. So yeah. I thought we might want to chat about yeah. it. <laughs> so do we suspect there may be some kind of connection between Ben and Glory? I mean, and watching Spike just get increasingly frustrated. It's just pretty fun. I like is it. Is everyone here very stoned? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're saying all this time he's been subletting from her? <laughs> I think that was the funniest one for me. <laughs> <laughs> and I love how like they seem to get it and then like a few scenes later somebody will be like, Oh my god, yeah. Ben is glory. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh still funny. Yeah. Uh yeah. I mean, uh this one I feel it's, like was really close, you know? I guess I'm surprised at how much there's like kind of flubbing there seems to be at the end of this season. I don't obviously remember it happening this way or feeling like this. Rather, yeah. Um, <clears throat> this episode is not. It doesn't quite land. It's, it's a like, funny it's episode. Fine. Yeah, and there's stuff, but it's not great. And I guess specifically for me, I spent the whole time thinking that what Buffy was real. You know, Buffy has in her like fugue state, whatever, whatever it is, and she's reliving all these moments. And she talks about how, or you know, we see her smother Dawn with a pillow, it seems a lot more logical to me that what she's also realized is that the only way to stop this is to kill Dawn. So I was a little bit surprised that it kind of turns out to just be like, oh, I mean, I just feel guilty like I didn't try hard enough. It's a little, it was a little bit, um, it could like lacked some punch for me, kind of, where I was like, oh, I think this actually would have been a lot more real interesting if we were really seeing Buffy grapple with the fact that that might be the only option for her left. Like, you know, rather than like, oh, I gave up because she's too strong is like kind of like it just doesn't work. I don't really and I don't really buy it. Well, especially because they spend the rest of the time in that little fugue state talking about like, you know, death is her death gift. Is her and gift. Kind exactly. Of out, like, like what that means, like where where she's like smothering Dawn and she looks at Willow and she's like, death is my gift. Like and Willow's kind of like, I don't think that needs to happen like, that way. Willow's yeah. confused as to like whether that's what that means. And then I think at the end they really try to tie that in with this bombshell that Giles drops of like the only way to stop this is to kill Dawn. And I don't know, like given everything that happened in the fugue state, wouldn't it be more effective if mm-hmm. Buffy had just come to that realization on her own? Exactly. Or really what it makes more sense for me to hurt for me. Sorry, why I'm struggling with this sentence. It makes more sense, I think, if the real reason Buffy goes catatonic is because once she loses Dawn, she realizes that's the only option. You know? Like, that makes more sense to me than just being so overwhelmed by the guilt of not defeating a god. Like, I just don't believe that. You know, I get it. I do think the, like, not just the burden, but the exhaustion, the exhaustion of, the exhaustion of the weight of the world I can also see leading to this state. But she, she, that is what she tells Willow when she's like, it's because I didn't try hard enough. It's because I gave up for one second. Like, that, I just don't buy that she feels that guilty about it. Yeah, I think the guilt is, like, because we see her as a little kid and she's, like, can I be the one to always take care right, of her? And right, right, right. Like, she obviously failed. But, like, yeah, I don't... But that's also a fake memory. You yeah, know, like, the, they don't yeah, even mention Buffy that. Yeah, but still has it. Like, It's true, but I guess I, I just all the more that, like, I... I it's just, a fake memory, but, like, if Buffy's going to be 100% on board with the Dawn as much as true. Train, that's true. Like, you have to kind of go with those as real at this point, I guess. I, I guess um, I'm just surprised that they also don't remark on that at all. Like, even... 
I know that didn't really happen, but it's how I decide, you know, I don't know. It's just a little weird to me that she didn't even mention it. But yeah, you're, I don't disagree with it being in there or anything. I just, so yeah. I think what's interesting is there, I think there's too many points here that they're trying to make. And exactly. I don't think that they tie them together very well because we do kind of see a continuation of like, you know, Glory's yeah. statement to Dawn about like, oh, the world isn't worth living in because all these people are like struggling and hating everything and like miserable. Yeah. And like, what's the point? Like, and she's like, tell me one person who like isn't beaten down by this world. And, you know, Dawn's defense is like Buffy. But right. like we see in this episode, like clearly Buffy she that's is not true yeah. because she's like in a fugue state from being so beaten down by like dealing with the world. Like she's yeah. obviously not functioning well. And I think they're trying to make some kind of statement about that, like, Buffy let everything get to her, and then she's going to rise above it, but, like... Well, and I also think they're trying to tie it together to, like, Glory feels guilty because she's feeling more of Ben's emotions, and, like, because I guess that's just the other time that they literally said the word guilt. But I... Yeah, I, I, I guess I just... I do... I just agree with what you're saying, though. It's, like, they're trying to tie things together that maybe don't make sense together. Yeah. And, and kind of we end, end up making it a little bit weakened, I think, overall. Well, and I think they're they're obviously setting up for where they want to go afterwards because right, like of course. I think Ben would be an interesting like person to focus on around some of these questions, but like Ben is so irredeemable at the end of this episode that yeah, it's just like yeah. I mean like obviously Ben is struggling like with his existential crisis essentially of like he knows his time on earth is about to end, mm-hmm. but like he knowing that like he even decides like it's like he gives up too by like turning yeah. Dawn back in or whatever. Like he decides he's gonna kill Dawn because I again I don't I'm know. Not really like sure why. Kind of see yeah. Him decide that like that's not what he wants to do, but it kind of sort of colors in a little bit of his decision making in the last episode. But does he like, want to live? Like even show up? Yeah. It is. I, that's a good point, and I don't think it tracks. I just don't like Ben. Really wants to live, but. Handing Glory over isn't going to save his life, you know? If it were really, truly a decision between him or her. Well, and I think doesn't the he only not, doesn't reason he want they do Glory this is so that we're kind of rooting for less, the next episode. Yeah, exactly. But I don't, yeah, I don't need that. And I also think it doesn't, that also doesn't make sense. You're right. I don't think he would kill her. Because what, I mean, and not even just because, like, I think I'm convinced he's a, a great person. It's more so that, like, if Glory opens the portals, then he's going to, if he survives at all, he's going to be living in a d- demon dimension. Like, what good does this do him? You know what I mean? Whereas, like, the whole thing he's been grasping at is wishing he had a normal life. I don't see how this gets him there. Well, I don't know. Was he going to turn her into Glory or kill her? Mm, I guess he was just going to Because I think if he was going to kill okay. her, then, like, he's, that's his way to prevent this from happening. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, you're right. But the other thing that failed in that for me, like, I think, like, the events of the next episode are more interesting if we don't see Ben's, like, exactly. downward moral yeah. path. But, yeah, like, I agree. But I also think the interesting thing about this, too, is, like, we get more more of the dynamic of them because, like, apparently they've been living independent of each other this yeah. entire time, like, just not remembering their separate existences and Glory's worked some mojo so nobody else remembers that this happens either, which explains a little bit how Ben has managed to function so far. Yeah. Um, but then, okay, Glory also mentions that she's been waiting for this moment oh, for 25, 25 years. years. I know, I so know. again, what the hell how? is going on with the Knights? And, and even, honestly, the Joel Grey guy, like, how does she have so many followers in 25 years? And she's not been doing anything on Earth. She's been hiding, mostly 
in human form. So, like, who would be following her, you know? Yeah. Like, I, my only yeah. thing I'm thinking is, like, time works differently. So, like, maybe some of these demons from other dimensions were aware of her before sure. that. And then in, like, human time, she's only been trapped here. But, like, or it's, like, that she's been preparing for the key for 25 years and that's what it is, but like I, I don't I think, think that's ben what she could meant. Because Ben be is twenty five. Yeah, years old, I think that's like, definitely what she meant. It's or what just, the show meant. So yeah, I none don't of know. It makes yeah, sense. I agree. Hmm. But it's yeah. a frustrating episode to watch because like everybody's a little bit stupid. In yeah, it. and like it's a lot of I exposition mean, and it's a lot of like place setting, but without other than the one you know obvious favorite gag like without without too much other interesting color around it it was just yeah. a little bit dull for me like it's a little bit frustrating to like see like okay dawn's captor is obviously compromised and she's not really trying very hard to make an escape or she yeah. is and maybe the point is to juxtapose like her ability to escape from these demons and like buffy's ability to do that mm-hmm. so like maybe that's what they're trying to do because like I dawn does so. seem pretty yeah. useless yeah um but also like they do, on the flip side, make a good point of showing, like, just how outnumbered she is. Like, those True. minions are, like, on patrol in Sunnydale. Yeah. Although, like, nobody notices these, like, scabby people. In yeah, like, yeah, sure. yeah. I don't know. It just, like, seems like there seemed to be a lot of open doors that she, like, wasn't running through. Yeah, yeah, it's true. But I guess it's not fair to put that on her to have to escape. yeah. But yeah, I guess I'm just not sure this is the crisis, but I'm not sure this is ultimately the type of crisis that makes the most sense for this season. I feel like the last two episodes have been, you know, like we see Buffy panic. I like didn't really agree with that either. And, you know, I just not that I don't think it's plausible at all. I just feel like it's not the most interesting way to get to this final arc that get to the end of this arc. I think is this the right crisis for her? I makes I think it makes sense that she's going to have one, but I don't I don't know that panicking and running away and then freaking out because she's so guilty that she, you know, let something happen. I just don't know if those are the most satisfying. Satisfying, no. But I wonder if that's kind of the way they were trying to convey the greatness of glory. Like, I think you're right. Yeah. Like, they keep calling her a god, but, like, they don't really have the budget to, like, show Show the effects of her. Like, we only saw her, like, display any sort of real powers beyond, like, brain-sucking, like, in the last episode. right. And so, like, maybe the only way they could actually convey the strength and surmountable yeah. opponent that she's supposed to be is, like, by having Buffy panic and, yeah. like, be afraid. But, like, again, because but that's I, the only mm-hmm. way they're really conveying that. Like, yeah. it doesn't work because we haven't really seen, seen anything. Seen it, yeah. In, I mean, yeah, Gloria exactly. takes her butt, like, every time she fights her. But, like, I don't but know. But so is like, every other demon in the future yeah, and I, in the past. Like, Yeah. yeah. No, I actually I think you hit the nail on the head with why it doesn't work is because we haven't seen Glory look powerful enough. And like in my, you know, in my memory, I, that's never a thing that I didn't buy. But yeah, you're right. It, I don't buy it now. Now that they're trying to make it an, a point. It didn't really bother me as the season was going on. Just being like, yep, she seems super strong and they're going to have to figure out a way to kill her. And that's going to be very difficult was like enough for me. But again, yeah, the more they try and dig into the Glory <laughs> mythos the worse they make it i think i think you're right yeah if they like, had just let her be there and she was just herself and then we just get to the final fight i think it would have been okay yeah i mean because some- every time buffy fights her we're pretty aware she's 
unbeatable and that yeah. Buffy can't really make a scratch. But, like, is that enough to, like, then make Buffy, like, panic and all yeah. I don't know. Because, yeah. like, she also couldn't beat Adam without, like, some kind of crazy spell. But, like, she didn't, you know, panic and run then. It was just kind of like, yeah. okay. So. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't know that they, like, stuck the landing. I mean, and the mayor was a literal demon. Like, yeah, we've seen things of this. Yeah, I just, yeah. Maybe that's what it is, is, like, because Glory doesn't present as more powerful than these Than other things, yeah. Before that, like, the fact that she's running now. I mean, a lot of it is, like, okay... The, the core person in all of this is Dawn, and so right. Buffy has to protect her, and sure. like, that does make it a little bit more difficult to, like, just do the reckless thing and, like, go, you know, like, mm-hmm. blowing up the school and all that stuff. Like, that that was a little bit, like, sure <clears throat> you know, Hail Mary kind of plans, and, like, maybe they don't want to go that direction, but, like, yeah. they, they don't seem to have a choice, and yeah. I don't know. I just, like, I think that's that's the biggest thing is, like, it feels like a character about face, like... I mean, yeah. I could understand, like, okay, she's been doing this for years. She's, like, enough already. Like, right. Like, what if one time I just, like, gave up? But, like, I don't really feel like – this doesn't feel like the one where she would give up because, like, it's Dawn. I I agree. And I, I guess not to pretend like I'm a better writer than everybody, but, um, but, yeah, I just – I do think that what is the most – ultimately the most interesting thing about the finale and the decision that Buffy's going to make and all of that stuff is that – she, it is true that one, probably the best option for them now is to kill Dawn. I guess I just don't know. I wish they had circled around that dilemma more. <clears throat> I guess they just thought it was too dark or they didn't want Buffy to say those words. Maybe, you know, I don't know. Maybe, although it works. That twist only works in, I think, at the end of the next episode, because that is the the like the thing that they can't get around and it's probably been the answer this whole time is right. like well the easiest solution is to kill dawn and right. like if you remember that she's a mystical thing then not really your sister it should be an easy choice right. but of course it's not because of like this whole season what the monks have done all of that and because of Joyce specifically and because of Joyce, know, like exactly. has added so, to it yeah yeah so like all of these things kind of make that not an option but and i think that that twist works in so much as it's not really a twist like we've known it all along but like, that's how Buffy gets to her final decision, right? Is, like, she rejects that idea right. of, like, this is the only thing I can do. Which is all the more reason, I think, that they should have spent this episode dwelling on that dilemma and not just her feeling helpless. Yeah, because a lot of Buffy's decision-making happens off-screen. Yeah. And so it's it's surprising in the moment, and we could talk about it more yeah. next time. But, next, like, yeah. I feel like we're creeping into the gift <laughs> so territory. We are. We but are. I do think it's it's worth mentioning because maybe this episode works better in retrospect after watching the next one. I, well, I don't agree that it works. Like I still I'm still on the firmly on the side of this episode is ultimately unsuccessful for me. But. Yeah, I'm. I yeah. I guess you're right. I mean, I'm interested to see how it lands. But I think still it's still going to be Buffy having felt guilty that she like she didn't even make a mistake. She just got defeated. So you know, I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We can talk about it again next week. Yeah. Um, speaking of next week, we do see Glory's victims, I suppose. Not even her minions building oh, this like, yeah. something. thing. We don't really yeah. see what it is, but they're building something. <clears throat> yeah. Trying Foreboding. to anoint the, the key. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
that was a funny scene where Glory's like, she doesn't need to be anointed. Yeah. And just goes and like scrubs her forehead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of thought I would get more out of the Don Glory pan- ban- banter also, I guess. Glory that requires was, better acting. Yeah, and also, I guess just because, again, the nature of this episode is that they're trying to bleed Ben and Glory into one another more. So it's like making, kind of sucking some of the fun out of Glory, basically, you know, or it's like, it's, it's more fun to watch her when she's being her real true self. Then, yeah. like, watching her be sympathetic is, like, not very fun, frankly. So no. that's, not I mean, real, like, that's not a real complaint, but more so that's, like, more <laughs> to the point of, like, not, like, when, you know, when, you, when, you don't, when we don't like the, <clears throat> excuse me, central heart of an episode, it helps when the rest of it is doing really good supportive work. And I feel like that's also why this one is just kind of, like, lackluster, because it's like, well, nothing else that fun is happening either. <laughs> no. Yeah, I think ultimately I'm not not in favor of this episode. Yeah. But I am surprised. I don't remember feeling like the end of the season dragged, you know? I, yeah, I remember not liking this episode, but I didn't remember it being the penultimate. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a bummer note to go into the finale on, to be honest. It is. Even though I know I'm going to love the next episode, but like, it's like, ugh, like it kind of killed the momentum. It did. Well, I mean, the last episode too, though, honestly, it's like, yeah, the season had really great momentum and then we kind of hit this weird break. I am still looking forward for the next one and I guess the other thing that's interesting about this episode, thinking even further in the future to the, to season six, they were definitely laying groundwork for Buffy's whole issues. Issue. Yeah. I mean, so that's that what we've part, said before. It's yeah. like, Buffy, like, I think some of the frustration that can happen in the next season is like, oh, just get over being dead already. But like, yeah, it's, like she, it's not that simple because a lot of her thoughts were like already happening now, during yeah, this season. Mm-hmm. And you could kind of add to like, well, I mean, we could, we should really talk about this next time. But like, right. I feel like they kind of contribute to like her ultimate choice of like, right. she's ready yeah. to just like, you know, do what she needs to do. But like, then it she's she's living in the next ep- the next season and she's still dealing with a lot of these decisions and questions. Yeah. And I think it's easy to to blame it all on like one thing, but I think we're seeing proof that like these It's been long brewing. Long time yeah. Yeah. It's a good point. Like her whole conversation with Giles when she was worried about being incapable of love and you know right, all these things. Right. Right. Yeah, she has yeah. really taken a beating this season <laughs> yeah. emotionally. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, so in, in that respect, I guess it's successful to a longer arc, but. Yeah, but like the best groundwork laying episodes aren't always the best ones to watch. Because, yeah. you know, watching the bricks being laid is a little boring. Yeah. Should we move on to Angel? Yeah, we should. Because I really, I feel like the more I try to talk about this <laughs> yeah. episode, the more I'm going to talk about the next episode. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Save also, some for next time. <laughs> Angel was the like polar opposite of this ep- this like very depressing kind yeah. of slow paced boring episode. Angel was like all fun, all fun yeah. and games. Although you for did remind part. me with this last thing that I I know I'm in the minority. I actually love season six, and um, I'm excited that we're heading there. I'm excited. I don't hate season six. Maybe it's season seven that everyone seven is like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of people don't like six too. Yeah. I guess the other thing that's interesting, sorry, to go back to that note, though, about them laying the groundwork for season six, I, I do think it's worth mentioning that at this point, the show is canceled. So, yeah, or at least they didn't know. Well, they knew it was they, canceled on probably on canceled this network. on the yeah. WB, but I think there must have already been talks about potentially reviving okay. it elsewhere. But, but it I is think fun. that he wrote this yeah. 
end of the season the way he did just on the off chance that it didn't get picked up. It, it didn't get picked up because he's like, I can undo this. It's Buffy. But right. like, yeah. But again, but I guess I'm just saying I appreciate. <laughs> right. But I'm just saying I appreciate that they didn't. I don't know. I guess not that many TV shows would just give up either, but like, it's nice to see that they've done a lot of, that they are doing a lot of work and it is going to make sense the next season. Yeah, for sure. Hmm. Um, okay. Through the looking glass, I will try to be very brief, but a lot happened in this episode. Um, So much. So, you know, obviously picking up from where we left off, Cordelia, we just found out is, has been appointed princess of Pylia or this area of it. Um, due to the visions that she has. Um, Of course, it's a sort of, you know, be careful what you wish for situation because, of course, there's maybe some more ulterior motives going on behind appointing her to that position. I don't think they're entirely clear, but um, at least um, in the immediate, we find out that they've appointed her to this because they want her to mate with um, something known as the Grusalog. Um... And then after that, probably plan to kill her. And also, she finds out over the course of this episode that while even though she's been appointed the princess, she doesn't really have any authority. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, uh, everybody is kind of gets rescattered in this episode. Um, they yeah, Angel and Lauren go off to talk to his family to try and find a portal. They want to try and find information on the hot another hotspot so that they can eventually leave. Gun and um, Wesley stay behind to go through whatever books that are in the castle so that they can, since they lost their book that got them through the portal the first time, hopefully they can find more some different book that will tell them the same information or what they need to know to get out. Um, but they all end up scattered around. <laughs> Gun and Wesley end up trying to escape the um, castle with Cordelia through the sewage, like, sewage drains um but she gets caught and isn't able to leave with them so they end up wandering around angel and lauren get separated because while gallivanting with lauren's family angel becomes very popular because um he's recognized basically as a warrior and a hero but then they try to give him the honor of um basically beheading uh fred (laughs) and he decides not to do that and escapes with her and so they're on the run she's Fred, who we confirm in this episode is the woman that they, you know, that Cordelia saw in her vision, that they're ostensibly also there to rescue. Um, She has some sort of cave hideout, (coughs) excuse me, in the mountains. But yeah, so I, (laughs) it's in a very uh, nonlinear episode (laughs) guide, but suffice it to to say, they all have their own separate storylines and, and they're all still separate at the end. Right? Yeah. Yes. Oh, but, of course, we find out that the Goose Log, while being described as hideous, is, of course, a very beautiful human male. Of course. So perhaps that task will not be as daunting or terrible as it seemed. With the curve of his mouth and his bulging (laughs) arms. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think this episode was a ton of fun. I like that they're kind of leaning into the, like, Pylia is just very ridiculous. You know, like, it is sort of this... It is sort of this fairy tale bizarro land where like they are dealing with heavy subjects, you know, like Fred, Fred's life is very tragic. She is constantly trying to, you know, about to get murdered or being held hostage or enslaved or whatever. There are very dark things and ugly things about this world. Um, but the general attitude of the episode is like, what a fun, 
fun, funky place. But I, I, I mean that in a way that works. I think it was fun. It was very fun to watch. And I appreciate well, not I mean, having to dwell on everything. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I know that it's bad and I don't think that they're trying to convince us that it's not, but it is fun to sometimes not have to think about it so hard. Yeah. And I think the show is really leaning into that idea of like a different tone and like mm-hmm. visual vibe and like kind of playing into this like lost in a fairy tale idea because like, you know, they keep cutting to that shot of the castle up on the hill mm-hmm. and like, you know, the villagers and like, Everything just, nothing feels like an episode of Angel. And right. It like I think last week I said it felt like an episode of like Xena or Hercules. It did, or yeah. It and still it does. Still kind of yeah. does. Like it's you know, the castle I think is for for me really what like makes it work. Like just that shot of it like, mm-hmm. in the distance. But, um, yeah, everything is kind of played with like this sense of like almost farce a little yeah. bit until it's until it's not like until it's right. serious. But like yeah, I think everybody's kind of reveling in this this new world and like in like Angel and Cordelia, especially are right. like really enjoying being celebrating until they like realize the strings attached. Right. But, um, like, you know, we see Angel behave in a very unangel manner of yeah. like, Oh, who me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, you know, throwing on the cloak and like yeah. checking out his hair and yeah. you know, becoming a full on narcissist essentially. Um, I don't until fault he's him. kind of called back yeah. to earth and realizes, Oh, I'm not going to kill this woman. And now I have to like protect her. And right. All of that. And then obviously he gets a really big wake up call with the De- his the true demon face mm-hmm. that is inside of him. Right. Oof. Yeah. It did feel I, bad I for him. This episode. I a did lot. too. I did too. Yeah. Other than um, well, yeah. You know what? We'll get there. Um, <clears throat> well, we're never gonna have a bad episode where someone's saying Numfar, do the dance of joy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was Joss Whedon. Doing the dance of yeah, joy. Yeah. Yeah. I think I didn't know that. Yeah. I don't think I, I mean, knew I that either. I, I just saw it in the <laughs> notes. Yeah. So that's pretty funny. Yeah. I can't fault Angel for wanting to stare at his own reflection. He hasn't seen himself in a few centuries. It's true. I, and, it would be and fascinating Angel to... Angel funny. Yeah. It was funny. And I also was like, honestly, I would be doing that too. Like, he hasn't seen himself. Well, yeah. I thought it was really funny on that, that he... Um, was like really focused on the way his hair looks, especially mm-hmm. after the episode where the Buffy bot was like, Angel's hair is funny. Yeah. And it straight up. <laughs> yeah. And Spike is always kind of making fun of that. Yeah. He also, when they uh, gave him the, clo- when Lauren's family gave him this new cloak and they took his coat away there, he was like, no wire hanger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's leather. I mean, we've always seen these little <clears throat> glimpses of like that version of Angel yeah. of like, you know, she said, what about me? Or, yeah. You know, yeah. But, to see him, like, fully, like, embrace it is kind of funny. Yeah. I mean, like, some that's what I mean. Like, it, there's this episode is honestly kind of dark. Like, we're realizing the extent to which Cordelia is actually still enslaved and trapped mm-hmm. in this role of princess and... Completely being you know, used world. as a tool. Yeah, and, like, and also, like, the reasons Lauren gave for this world being a hell are obviously not the ones that we're seeing as to, I mean, it's it's obviously still a hell world for right. these humans, but maybe not for the reasons that Lauren said. Yeah. But it it is still a bad place to be, and um, you know, like these like weird soldiers keep showing up and like trying to behead people and mm-hmm. stuff, and they do eventually behead Lauren. Right. Um, but right. It's, it's fine. This isn't Game of Thrones. It won't stick. Yeah. That's <laughs> true. Um, but, like, you know, some of it is still finding the comedy in it. Like, I love Fred's reaction to hearing that they made Cordelia yeah. contest. Like, yeah. she's just like, oh, how 
how nice for her. They, yeah. they didn't do that when I got here. Yeah. But at the same time, I think to your point, that was, for, I mean, for me, that was a moment that made me very sad. You know, I yeah. think that feeling that for her must be awful. And I don't, and they do play it for laughs and it is funny, but yeah, I guess maybe that is really what this episode was nailing was like doing both at once. It's yeah. like, it was funny, but it doesn't make you any less sad for Fred that she's been stuck in a cave on the run for years with no mm-hmm. hope of getting back home. And then to find out that someone in the same exact position as being treated as royalty is like extra salt on the wound, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, there's, it's definitely funny, but it's definitely like you see the darkness in it as well. And also seeing Angel interacting with Fred and understanding that this is a woman like teetering on the edge of yeah. insanity, like trying to remind herself of what's real, but also pretending that the most painful things aren't real. Right. Because if it happened to someone else, then she can just kind of go Get on. By. You know, yeah. but like if this is really happening to her, then life is truly this horrible existence. Yeah. Um so sad. Although, I mean, like we I think this is also a great episode to kind of introduce us more to Fred and like we obviously see that she's writing things on the walls. Angel realizes that she's the woman from Cordelia's vision. But also we see her ingenuity, right? Like she mm-hmm. encounters this demon angel, but then almost immediately knows how to control him. Yeah. You know, with the blood. Though and was then, she just carrying a sack of blood? Like she just reached yeah. her hand into her bag and I was like, is it is there only blood in there? I would assume, yeah. Or some kind of parts. Yeah. Like, I think she, like that soldier that he kind of tore apart, she yeah, probably took, took it from, some him, from there. is my guess. But it was clever. Like, we see this problem solver, smart Fred that we're going to get to know, even though she's, like, barely hanging on to sanity. Yeah. Yeah. And I did actually, I yeah, I liked getting to see her and Angel bond. She does not only kind of know how to control him, but she does seem to to be maybe the right person for him in that moment when he kind of comes out of it. And like, you know, he would be too embarrassed to be in front of his friends that he really knows already. Um, but she's also just incredibly like empathetic, you know, and very comforting to him. I don't know. I like that scene too. Yeah. He was very sad. <laughs> God, you're um, right. I was like, what a fun episode, but like everything that happened in this was so sad. Well, um, it's kind of like, so this episode is called Through the Looking Glass, and I actually right. think they're on their streak of app titles. Yeah, because, for once, yeah. <laughs> like, it's kind of like going through the looking glass, where, like, on the surface, everything is fun and, like, right, right. happy and, like, oh, isn't this amazing? Like, I'm a princess. And then you go through the through the, the mirror, and it's like, I'm a princess, but, like, I'm being forced to mate with this Grusalog, yeah. and they're probably going to kill me, yeah. and they're probably... Um, working with Wolfram and Hart yeah, and yeah. like, you know, Angel like, oh, wow, look at this world. I can walk through and like out in the sunshine yeah. and see my reflection. But like when I shift into a vampire, it's like So total. much worse. Like, yeah. I, I think it's like, you know, the, the dark side of the coin. For, for sure. Them, for but, sure. Um, I do want to talk a lot about, or a lot, a little bit more about the Wolfram and Hart review. Yeah, totally. Because um, I thought that was, was always one of my favorite scenes. Of, I, yeah. No, I loved it. I It's it's, it's another one that's really similar where Wesley's like, oh, look at these fun books. They're like in triplicate. Yeah, and, yeah. Oh, wait a minute. And then he like flips the covers over and he's kind of like, oh, crap. Yeah. Like, you know, it's the wolf, the ram, and the heart. Yeah. Whoops. He's like, we can't trust anybody. Yeah. And I, I like that too because I think it, it does really add to Wolfram and Hart as a really mm-hmm. formidable opponent. You know, that they have reaches across dimensions, clearly. You know, so I, I don't know. I think that's a, it's a, it is a, like, it's a short moment, but it really impactful, you know. 
Yeah, and it it kind of like I think the joke of Wolfram and Hart is always like, oh, haha, they're like evil lawyers who work for demons. But like, I don't know. This kind of puts that in some sort of relief of like, yeah, they're evil yeah. demons. Like, yeah. what do demons mean? Like, yeah, you know, they're not just playing with some human lawyers. They're playing around with some pretty dark, you know. Yeah. People, I guess. I yeah. don't know. People might not be the right word. Right, but. right, right. And we don't really even know yet what the the tribunal or whoever. Right, yeah. To be clear that those those books that Wesley finds are the ones that the, like, yeah, what are they called again? The um, I don't tro- remember. Something. I called them the tribunal, but that's not right. Yeah, but whatever. The, the priests that are the ones that determined that Cordelia is this messiah, they tested her, they appointed her princess, they're... Con- finding all this information or, you know, they're using those books that Wesley finds. So it's like clear that Wolfram and Hart is not, not just in this dimension, but involved in this specific, um, happenings, you know, maybe they wanted Cordelia appointed for some reason, or they've pulled strings to make it happen or something. You know, I'm not saying that's what it is, but yeah, it like really throws them under suspicion. These are the books that those priests are consulting. Yeah, like, they're we not don't really know what exist their in the dimension. game they're, plan is, yeah. right? Like, because <clears throat> we don't know how Cordelia mating with the Grusalag is going to solve anything. Right. Um, especially because it turns out to just be another human. So, yeah, yeah. Like, but they're going to mate and then kill them, but, like, then what's the point of the mating? Right. I don't know. Yeah. Because like, they were like, if she survives the mating process, right, right. Like, then we're going to kill her, but, like, then what's the point of mating her in the first place? Is she supposed to, like, have a child? Unclear. Right. Um... Although Cordelia seems like she would really enjoy the mating process. Right. <laughs> the Grusalag. Yeah. He is very charming. Yeah. I, uh, I, I think it. I told you. I, I had a coworker it. at my old job who, like, the first day I showed up, I was like, oh, my God, he looks <laughs> like the Grusalag. <laughs> uh, and, like, obviously, um, the more I worked with him, the more I was like, no, it's, you know, there's kind of a resemblance. But, right. like, he but doesn't really look really that funny. much like him. Yeah. But, like... Th- the first instinct, I was like, holy, oh my God. Like, yeah. I was like, were you an angel? Yeah. <laughs> That's You're true. not acting anymore? Okay. <laughs> you know what I also liked about this episode is, so Cordelia and the Grusalog, basically, you know, she, he's this hot guy and they end up talking and flirting and then, be, and having kind of, it seems like they spend uh, several hours together um, bonding and talking and having a lovely conversation about where they both came from and those kinds of things. But at the end of it, she is decided, she's decided to use, oh, if I'm appointed the princess, I can make declarations and I can make this world better. And I thought that was also like a really nice way for that to go for her. Um, not nice way for that to go. I just mean to say, I love Cordelia and I love when we get to see these really benevolent moments. Like this part of her personality is like, yeah, of course she's going to enjoy the glitz and the glamour of getting to be a princess for a while, but then she's going to suck it up and realize that she can do some good. Yeah. Or can she? Well, of course she's going to try to. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Obviously the Um, powers that, or not the powers that be, (laughs) I can't use that phrase casually here. Uh, The actual priests who hold the power are not going to let her do anything, but maybe one of her, first proclamation should be changing her outfit. Oh my God. I know it did bother me the whole time too. Well, they kind of call it out a little bit, but then she kind of dismisses it like, Oh, this isn't that bad. Like, I don't know if that makes it better or worse. Cause she's obviously trying to like, 
you know, enjoy wearing it in front of the Gruselog. But like, and I buy that Cordelia would enjoy wearing that, or even that Charisma Carpenter might, you know, or that that is a possibility. But I, I did want to touch on this because when we two episodes ago or whatever we were talking about, she, I mean, the same thing that she talks about in this episode. She's on set because she finally got an acting gig and she's wearing this really skimpy outfit and she gets treated really horribly. I mean, it is definitely an act of hypocrisy for the show then to dress her up almost exactly the same for two to three episodes. You know, I just don't see how she's not being objectified. She, the well, actress in, in this, the way in they this call ep- it out is, is like, so you know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. And it's almost effective where she's like, Oh, like they dress me up, you know, kind of like, you know, whatever, kind of like, and then she's like, I mean, not like this. And it's like, you can almost see the show trying to wink at it. And be exactly. Like, like so like, if you the, knew that you were doing that, why don't you just put her in a slightly different outfit? <laughs> yeah. Like, why not have her change or something? Yeah. Something. Or I don't know. I mean, and that's where I wonder, like, maybe, maybe Charisma Carpenter was involved in it and that's what she wanted to wear. You know, I don't know. I, I guess I'm trying to give them an out of like, maybe. And, and Yeah. Obviously, context matters, too. You know, being dressed up glamorously as a princess feels very different than being degraded on a set. So I'm sure that the experience is different. But the experience for Charisma Carpenter is probably not that different. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed that they do that. And, and I, you know, the other thing that stuck out at me in this episode, or really, I guess, just my kind of ongoing gripe, gripe with angels is not good at sexism (laughs) is not particularly good at dealing with sexism or a lot of times when they try to, they sort of make things worse. Um, she also Cordelia also makes a throwaway line to mentioning how, Oh, can we find a dimension where I'm not going to get impregnated by a demon? And it's like, also, yeah. Can you guys stop relying on this as a trope for her? Like that can't be Cordelia's only storyline is that she's constantly going to get impregnated and it's going to happen again in the show. So it's like, yeah, you guys need to find a new trick. It's not the only thing that women can do. They can do things besides get pregnant. <laughs> well, I wonder if it's kind of like to them, they're treating it in the same vein as like this joke that, oh, demons are always attracted to Xander, you know? I think they're like, trying to write it off that way, but I actually yeah. think it is a little bit more sinister. Not sinister, you know, I'm not trying... I'm, sa- I'm saying this a little more dramatically than I mean it. I'm not saying like everybody who worked on the show is a huge sexist. I just... It does stick well. out to me... It does stick out. It, it sticks out and it's annoying because it is, I am really, really liked this episode and to still have one or two moments where I have to cringe or roll my eyes is very irritating. You know, it's an interesting question because, you know, we talked about a while ago when it came out, I think it was last year, you know, some revelations right. about Joss Whedon that weren't flattering. They were it wasn't like he, they weren't as troubling as some of the Me Too allegations, but they weren't great. They were and bad. Yeah. It kind of, everybody was like, oh, but this feminist, like, showrunner who, like, made all these great shows about women, and it's like, I think everybody gets a little blinded by Buffy. Right. And maybe Dollhouse, too. But, and even Firefly has some pretty, you know, women-positive, like... But they, everything else has issues, though. Yeah. But, yeah, but I think it's easy to forget about stuff like this. Or this wouldn't have raised any eyebrows when this show was airing. But, like, now it hasn't really, it really aged yeah. very well. And, like, when you look at his entire body of work, I think it's easier to, like... See that pattern? Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I don't want to say, like, oh, this proves, you know, whatever allegations. Like, I don't think it proves... And I don't even think it's it... It's not about that it's about like I think it's easier to question his bona fides when you see the pattern totally of, like 
this show particularly I, I actually, is horrible towards Cordelia, Cordelia as the sole, well, up to now, sole female cast member. And kind of irony of ironies, there are also, I have ever, I've never actually done a lot of research into it, though I plan to when we get to that point in Angel, but I mean, there's definitely accusations that that Charisma Carpenter got fired after she got pregnant also. So it's like even more really, really ironic that they've hung their hat on this joke that's not that funny about Cordelia getting pregnant all the time. And then when the actress really gets pregnant, possibly gets written off the show, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's so, yeah. I, yeah. It's not, it's not kind. The lens is not kind to the, to this show all the time. And I agree with you. I do think there's a lot of, a lot more obvious, um, yeah, basically sexism in in all of the show, all of his shows, other than Buffy. I mean, it's, no, Buffy has it too. I mean, Buffy has it too. About but Xander as a character is like a of course. Know, up until a certain point, is just like the worst. Um, You're right. I'm sorry. I but I do think Buffy is a lot more intact. Yeah, and Buffy is. I think I think what I was thinking of when I said that specifically is that in all of his other shows, women get objectified, whereas in Buffy they generally speaking do not especially especially Buffy yeah so or if it, they do it's it is specifically a plot point but um yeah yeah it's it's interesting to look back and go oh I kind of see this here and yeah. you know watching this show when I was you know 14 15 like I wasn't really picking up on this stuff yeah. but um again <clears throat> being older but also like time and attitudes shifting like a lot of the interactions especially on angel and the the worldview that the writers seem to have has not aged particularly yeah well and not to make this all about a political conversation or rather like kind of not political like i'm gonna get into politics but um i do think that the more i don't want to say the more interesting like it's not necessarily that i think this proves anything definitively about joss whedon other than it definitely proves that even when you as a person hold certain ideals it's very difficult to to not be affected at all by kind of the history of sexism in society. Like, I guess I just mean, I, I also think of it a lot like that. It's not so much that like, this definitely proves that Joss Whedon is a huge sexist so much as it's like everybody, everybody has been affected by, by sexism. I'm yeah, not saying it lets I mean, them off the hook either. I'm just saying it's always interesting to me that it's like, even when people are trying hard to make a thing good, it still just slips in there because it's the reality of, of the world. Yeah. I mean, it's so <clears throat> much harder to perform feminism and all of these ideals than it is to talk about them. Yeah, exactly. And you could even in one scene have your character talking about them, but still be performing the opposite. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, yeah, I, I I don't really want to like demonize anyone. I don't either. I mean, that's obviously incredibly difficult. And, you know, also who knows what kind of notes are coming down from the network and, you know, yeah. everybody involved in this. Like, it's not just one person. Of so course. I'm not trying to vilify anyone, but... I'm also not trying to let him off the hook. It's just, yeah. to note. For sure. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Anyway. Um, back to the things that we like. <laughs> that note. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let me regroup. Let me regroup. Um, <clears throat> I do like the Grusselog storyline. Or rather, I like that not only does he, is it, I think they like twists that he's actually a very attractive human is like not that hard to spot. Um, like Alex called it out before it even happened. I was like, yeah, that's not, that's not a big surprise. But I, I do think what I do appreciate about it is that they seem to genuinely bond. And I, my recollection is that that's also kind of where the next episode goes is it's like, she genuinely likes this person. And, 
I don't know. I guess it was just fun to see that it's not only a gag about him being handsome, but they once they get to talking, it does seem like he's a really great person. And we never, you know, Cordelia has been so like she hasn't had any romance and she hasn't had anyone that she can connect with. You know, everybody that she works with is a not really her peer or not really her, you know, it's like Angel doesn't understand anything. Wesley is, Wesley's, you know, working through his uptight issues. Like Gunn, I guess is more her age, but like they also, you know, and they get along, but it's like, I don't know. I just, I, I really like getting to see her bond with somebody else and over things that are, that seem nice. You know, they get to talk about like their own difficult, the own, their own past and the problems that they've had. I like, yeah. and I like the Grusalog is all I'm saying. I like that Cordelia equates his struggle to like survive in Pylea with her (laughs) losing her trust fund. (laughs) But But that's Cordelia. She she's still Cordelia in some ways at heart. She is, but you know, it did make it have a big impact on her life. And I think as much as she might joke about it, and it is sort of a joke to lose your trust fund, you know, she lost her parent. Like her she doesn't seem to be in contact with her parents really. And that's like a huge betrayal. It is and kind of like with everything else in this episode where it's like, it is a funny line, but if you really think about it, it is pretty dark. Yeah. What her relationship with her parents must be like and what kind of psychological damage that or like impact that must have really had on her. She was only 18. Well, I kind of always got the impression that their sole interaction with her was financial anyway. That's true. Like, That's true. Um, and so when you take that away, like, yeah, there's I nothing left Doubt that she has much relationship with them. Yeah. I, I didn't, I did find it weird that at this point they're still calling Lauren the host. It's like, he introduced, okay. he gave you his name. Why are you yes, saying that? I made note of this because they like say it to his face. They say it to and his face, like, yeah. he told you his name. You know, and he doesn't really seem to mind one way or the other. So like, I guess it's fine, but it's just like, why are you still doing this? I guess I'm more so puzzled. Like, why do the writers think that's important? Like, I don't I know. write that in the dialogue. Like, just call him Lauren. But I like getting to see him kind of you know, as again, as with everything, it was like a very it was a very funny scene when he sort of reunites with his family. They obviously didn't miss him at all. And but then it's like then he's kind of just like drinking and getting drunk in the background because he doesn't want to deal with. You know, he's there and, and not, like belatedly not only, warning everybody about yeah. what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, he's not being very helpful, but he is being very entertaining. But yeah. I feel bad for him as well, as with I everybody like in this his, episode. His mother's like, your father was right. We ate the wrong. Son. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, this must be a very brutal place to grow up. It must be. I do think Kamshuk sounds very dirty. Obviously. It's <laughs> yeah. I'm with God. Especially when Cordelia's throwing it around like, you know, it's been a while since I had a good Kamshuk. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I just mean I think they did pick a fun, they picked a good word for that. Yeah. <laughs> They're having fun with this whole alternate reality for sure. Yeah. Well, we are almost there. We're almost there. We have one more episode each for this season, Buffy and Angel. Mm-hmm. Thank God they're on an even airing schedule. Yeah. Um, I don't know that they ever weren't, but, like, it'd be awkward. That would be really awkward. Um, yeah, so next time we have The Gift, mm-hmm. and there's no place like Port Portsclub. I don't know how to pronounce that. Me neither. There's an absence of vowels. Yes. <laughs> so definitely continuing this idea of, like, through the Looking Glass, Wizard of Oz kind of yeah. thing. But do you have any pop culture this time? Hmm. I don't. I don't have anything. Listening, I'm sorry. I've been not being able to read anything because I realized that the holidays are fast approaching and I have several small crafting projects that I'm trying to finish, mostly knitting. I've been working on this stupid baby blanket for months. This is the second time I've tried to make it, and I just have 
been screwing up a lot lately. So it's just like takes a lot of time to like, it's very, very frustrating. So I've just been, I'm really trying to power through and not make any more mistakes so that I don't keep like knitting a foot and then undoing a foot and then knitting a foot and then undoing it. It's been, so, I have not made, it's been very slow progress, but I definitely which can't. Which baby gets it this time? Um, well, I don't want to, well, no, they don't listen. I don't know who listens to us. I'm not going to tell you. It's a surprise. Okay. Well, you can text it to yeah. me. It's not for the original baby. It was intended for that. That baby is three years old now. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so no, I don't have any because I've just been listening to mostly like news shows on podcasts. And I don't have any because I have not yet watched the Christmas Prince two. Oh yeah. Yeah. Did you watch it yet? You mean the princess one, right? Princess Switch? No, the Oh, there's actually Princess a sequel Prince. to it? Oh, no. No, 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 no. The Princess Switch is a different one. The Prin- no, I Princess know. Prince was the one from last no, year. No, I know. I thought you were being, like, cheeky and saying, calling oh. it, because it's, it's the next Netflix Christmas movie. You see no, what there I'm is saying? a sequel. I know, I know, but I'm saying I thought you were just being cheeky and calling Princess Switch Christmas Prince 2, because it's sort of the oh, second no, effort. Oh, no, I watched that one, and I have a lot of problems with it, mm-hmm. but... Okay, I'm not going to really get into it. I do have one question. Mm-hmm. How do you make an entire multi-tier cake and then only realize that the cord has been cut on your mixer? Yeah, yeah. Later I had that question. That. I, I also had that question. I was like, first of all, not even the right tool to puree your berries. Yeah, that's it not, does not make sense. That's not the point. Just, the point is you have an entire cake that you have made and assembled and somehow you didn't need your mixer for it. Yeah. I don't believe yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, agreed. <laughs> I mean, if her berries weren't as smooth as they could have been from having to puree them by hand, how the hell did her cake and frosting turn yeah. out? <laughs> but that's all I will say about that. <laughs> all right. Well, this week, I think, I think I'm Team Angel. I'm going to be Team Cordelia. Yeah. Angel had a rough go of it. He did. Yeah. Or do I want to be Team Fred? I, I thought about that, that, too. Hmm. She has, you've got more time. Yeah, I do. Okay, well, that's it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so we will chat next time on the finales. Yay. All right, talk to you right. later. Bye. Once More with Commentary is produced by me, Allie. And me, Ginny. Our theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder. And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have, and find us on Twitter and Instagram at omwcpodcast. You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com. Bye.